Let's just think about that a little bit. Our sins are many, but his mercy is more. This song says that God is omniscient. That means God knows every single thing. Everything that we're thinking about, everything that we've done publicly, privately, he knows. Yet he loves us so much. I mean, that, 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 I was just preaching to a bunch of men yesterday at a, a purity conference in the valley. And what could move me more than that? God knows our darkness, yet loves us so much. Amen. Amen. Um, I just thought I'd have a brief moment to give you some of my thoughts on uh, the war in Israel. As Pastor Jeremy talked about last week, evil and sin is on display. We understand this in a way with technology. It's it's being flaunted in a way that's uh, unimaginable at times. And so what should our response to be in this situation? Number one, as Pastor Victor prayed, let's pray for souls to be saved. Many Jews and Palestinians will come to Christ. We don't know what God has in mind, but God definitely has a purpose But pray, this is what the Lord would want us to do, is pray for souls to be saved, number one. People have asked me this throughout this week, is is the end times coming closer? Well, every day that goes by, certainly we're getting closer, and you see signs of it everywhere. However, I don't know if this is the sign. I doubt it, because the Bible says in Zechariah 14 that all the nations will come against Israel. Right now, Israel seems to have a few allies, right? But you'll know that day when all the nations gathered against Israel. Zechariah 14, if you want to read that later on. But more importantly, Zechariah 14, 3 and 4 says this. The Lord ascends, comes down from heaven, descends from heaven, and his feet touch down at the Mount of Olives, which exists today. And the mountain olives will be split in two, and God, Jesus Christ himself, will wage war against enemies. That's the good news, that Jesus Christ is coming back, and somehow this is all in God's plan. So pray for Israel, pray for Palestine, pray for Hamas, pray for sinners to come to Christ, but also just know that Jesus Christ is coming back, and this is not an accident in his economy. He understands everything that's going on, and he is planning, and he's coming back as you said he would. So as we turn to the scriptures today in our sermon, in light of eternity in mind, in light of Jesus' return coming, I thought this would be a helpful um, emphasis on teaching our church on having a healthy perspective. A healthy perspective. And what is perspective, you may ask? Well, it's a proper, or having a point of view, and hopefully a healthy one, having a proper point of view in how you look at life. Having the right attitudes and the outlook on life. Perspective. Perspective. In, in, in other words, what is going to matter in the end? In the end, when Jesus Christ's feet touch the Mount of Olives, what is actually going to matter in the end? That's a healthy Christian perspective. And what's going to matter is what is eternal. And as Psalm 119.89 uh, says, as uh, Sister Irene read, that God's word is eternal. And by believing in God's word, the gospel, one can receive eternal life. So what matters? Eternal things matter. The God's word and eternal souls. So that's why we pray in accordance, pray for souls to be saved during this hardship in Israel. 
Because we know when the Lord comes, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming for Jews, Palestinians, Americans, etc., anyone around the world. Whether you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated, all unforgiven sinners will be judged by Jesus Christ himself. Judge in eternal hell, eternal punishment, eternal wrath of God is poured on unforgiven sinners. We know this is happening. And only those who believe that Jesus died for sinners, and only for those who have repented and trusted Christ as their Lord, will be saved. There will be two populations in that day. Those who are with Christ who are rejoicing and those who will be praying that the rocks will fall down on them because they're so horrified at the sight of Christ. So pray. This is the gospel. The good news says that we can escape judgment by trusting Christ in our Lord and Savior himself. So a healthy perspective. Let's turn to uh, Titus chapter 2, 1 through 8. We'll continue on with our Titus series. And chapter 1 focused a lot on what is an elder, what are the qualifications of an elder, a healthy home, healthy character, a healthy doctrine, healthy teaching. Last week we talked about the, the role of an elder is to protect the church from false teachers and false doctrine and false shepherds. Now it shifts from the shepherd, the under-shepherd, to the sheep. Now there's a lot of emphasis here for the congregation, so the, this will be a very helpful and really relatable portion of scripture. We know from last week's sermon, false doctrine creates uh, unhealthiness, and it really gives us unhealthy perspectives. But sound or healthy doctrine leads to healthy perspectives. And this is what uh, uh, Titus is tasked to do, is to preach healthy or sound doctrine. So let's rise as we read Titus chapter 2, verse 1 through 8 together, and hear from God on having a healthy perspective. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. God's word says this. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Verse 4, so that they may instruct the young women in sensibility to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be slandered. Likewise, urge the younger men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be a model of good works with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in word, which is irreproachable, so that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. This is God's holy and perfect eternal word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy and eternal word. As as Psalm 119 declares, help us to understand, Lord, what you're saying. We want to know your heart more. I pray, Lord, by your spirit, I'll be able to preach faithfully and, and, and lovingly. I pray for the hearts to be able to hear this morning, so that we see you more clearly. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. The three headers that we will cover 
relate to a healthy perspective. Healthy perspective is molded, molded like as in shaped. Healthy perspective is mentored, mentored. And third and finally, healthy perspective is modeled, modeled like as a role model. Our healthy perspective is molded. Let's get right to it. Right here in verse 2 and 3, it talks about older men, older women. What is Paul talking about? Who is Paul talking about? What is considered older? Let's just say 50 plus, okay, for our day. Some commentators at 40 plus, 50 plus, 60 plus. Let's just say 50 plus. This is an older man, older woman. And this is great because Paul is directly speaking to a large portion of our church. I'm almost there. I'm 47. Soon, though. Soon I look forward to that day. But we're speaking to a large portion of our church. And I think there are incredible benefits to being older. There are. There are. And because I think older people generally have a greater perspective in life. Why is that? Well, you get a chance to learn more. You have more years, more hours to learn more about life. You get more to experience more things, of the joys of life, even the sorrows of life. You're able to experience deaths and more births. We understand that the more deaths that you experience, the more eternity you start to think about. Younger people don't have this as much. So if you experience a death recently, God has given you a greater view of eternity. And you could see general patterns of life that get repeated over and over and over again. These are the benefits of being older. And you just have a broader perspective than younger people. That's just how it works. However, I want to say this much lovingly, age does not always mean spiritual maturity. All right? Age does not always mean spiritual maturity. I'm going to tell you a story. It was May 20, 2000. It was in Memphis, Tennessee. In an open field with over 40,000 people gathered. And Pastor John Piper preached one of the most famous messages of our time. You should listen to it, Google it, and get it on YouTube. But called Boasting Only in the Cross. And in this sermon, he attacked the American dream. Basically, he said there's an industry worth billions of dollars selling you and me this lie. This lie that says, work, save your money, and then relax and, and get to retirement as soon as possible so you can have a nice, easy, comfortable life. And this is what he says. I tell you what a tragedy is. This is John Piper. I'll read it to you from Reader's Digest. What a tragedy is. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, playing softball and collecting seashells. John Piper says this is a tragedy. And this, if, if this was written in uh, 2000, that, that would have been roughly 30 years ago, Bob will be 89 or 90 years old right now, and Penny will be 81. Wonder if they're alive right now. I wonder if they're alive right now in Punta Gorda, Florida. But what was John Piper's goal here, guys? It's to generate a sense of urgency, warning the younger people not to buy the lie, to not waste their lives. That's what John Piper's heart was. We don't want to be like Bob and Penny. We don't want to be like Bob and Penny. 
living the easy life, the good life, and cruising off to the sunset with a zero um, emphasis on what matters the most. See, the American dream is worldly doctrine. And worldly doctrine has informed many of us to live like Bob and Penny. So in contrast to these false teachers who teach worldly doctrines, look what Paul tells Timothy in verse 1 here. But as for you, okay, but as for you, Titus, speak something different other than commandments of men and Jewish myths. But as for you, what are you supposed to speak or teach? Speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, sound or healthy doctrine. You see, this is what elders are called to do. That's why we need elders in the local church. Elders are called to provide the heartbeat. Elders are called to preach or teach things that are proper for sound doctrine. Because sound doctrine teaches the church to think and have a healthier perspective. Sound doctrine shapes and molds us into spiritual maturity. Something's molding us, guys. It's either God's word or the world. Are we being shaped into the image of the world? Are we being shaped into the image of Christ? Romans 12, 2 says that be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Ephesians 5 says being washed by the word. It's the work of the word. That's why elders, Titus was called to preach sound doctrine. Teach sound doctrine doctrine because the it takes the eternal word to shape us okay let me, let, let's turn to uh, psalm 119 as sister irene read there's always a purpose in our scripture readings it's, it's tied to the sermon generally but psalm 119 says this forever O yahweh your word stands firm in heaven god's word exists in heaven and god's word will forever be in heaven your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. You establish the earth and it stands. And I want to point out a few of these verses here. Verse 96 says this. Or in verse 95, the wicked hope for me to destroy me. But look what the word does. I perceive your testimonies. Perceive. I gain understanding. I gain a greater perception. All right, let's just keep going here. Let's turn the page here. Look what it says here, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. How do you gain a new percept, uh, perception, a healthy perception? You love God's word, you understand God's word, and you meditate on God's word. You spend time thinking about it. You spend time praying about it. You let the word of God wrestle with you in your situation. You're thinking about God's word. What does God, what happens when you, when this happens? Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Look what it also says. For they in mind forever, I have more insight than all my teachers. Healthy perception. For your testimonies are my meditation. I'm thinking about your word. Once I understand God's word, I'm thinking about that truth. I perceive, there it is again. I perceive, I have a perception more than the aged. So young people, if you want to have a perception that's even advanced in the aged, meditate and understand God's word more. Because I have observed your precepts. 
Let's go to 104 here. Psalm uh, 119, verse 104. For your precepts, from your precepts, I get perception. A healthy perception. Therefore, I hate every false way. Clearly, the Bible says that the Word of God gives us a healthy perception. And that's why elders need to preach God's Word, preach sound doctrine, not worldly doctrine. And look what it says in verse 2 here. Back to Titus, Titus 2.2. 2. Why do you want to teach sound doctrine? Well, to teach the older men to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and in perseverance. God's word is to make mature older people, older men. The word molds men to maturity, spiritual maturity. What does it mean to be temperate? It means be self-controlled. What does it mean to be dignified? That means you live honorably, you live respectably, consistent with God's character. What does it mean to be sensible? That means you're prioritized. You're, you, you demonstrate a level of self-mastery. You know what's important in life. You have a healthy perce- uh, per- perception therefore perspective. Therefore, you live an ordered life. You live your life according to what's most important. And what else do uh, older men, older mature men have? Well, you need to teach them to be sound in the faith. That means that you have a healthy faith. You believe in sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. And I'm honestly, as a pastor, I'm going to speak to you as fathers. I'm younger, and the Bible says speak to older men as fathers. I'm kind of alarmed at times. Sometimes it's our older people who don't have sound doctrine. That's alarming to me. It's scary because eternity is closer statistically, for older men, older women. You need to have sound doctrine. You need to believe these things so you can march into eternity with great confidence. When we sing things such as, as, as if we see God on his throne, behold our God seated on his throne, what do you see? What do you believe about him? And please hear this for me. I'm not trying to be hard or anything like that, but that's a big burden on my heart. As I talk to more and more people, it seems like there's less healthy doctrine at times, sometimes from our older people. You need to be taught to be sound in the faith, sound in love, meaning you have healthy affections. You love Christ. You love the church. You love the things that God loves. Sound and perseverance. This means this. You have a healthy resolve. That means you're spiritually gritty. God perseveres you and you stay sure to God's promises. You are intent on finishing well. Not going on cruise control for the rest of your life. Healthy perseverance. You're spiritually gritty. Let's see what the word of God does for women. Our sisters, the word of God molds women to maturity. It says, verse 3, older women, teach the older women likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. That means devout. That means you're living in the presence of God, sisters. Not before man, but before God, you're living. So how you talk, how you walk, how you act, you're living as if you're in the presence of God, because we all are. The sober mindset, I'm living with 
piety and, and devout before God. Not malicious gossips. This is an interesting word. This word for gossip is diabolos, which we get the word for devil. The devil is a, is a slanderer. You don't sound like the devil. You sound like Christ. You look to build people up. Sisters, this is what a, a mature mouth sounds like. Nor enslaved to much wine means that you're dominated by the Spirit and His Word, the God, God's Word. That is what a mature sister looks like and teaching what is good, things that are proper for sound doctrine. That sound doctrine. I'm encouraged because I know that there are a lot of us who want to finish well. And, and that's, there's many, and I've talked to many of you, I've visited many of you in your homes, I know you want to finish well. And I'm grateful for the 55 plus ministry, I'm grateful for that. And you you hear my uh, gratitude over the years, how many of you decided to be here. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. I understand that. And you have captured my affection. And you know you have my respect. You know you have my respect. I'm encouraged because I know many in that 55 plus group are teaching sound doctrine. Obviously, we know them. Some of them are teaching that in, in ACE and other places. Grateful for mentoring going on. I hear of 55 plus men calling younger men and just counseling them, encouraging them. I see, I hear that happening. That's very encouraging. I hear uh, 55 plus men and women counseling one another. You know, it's, it's encouraging. Getting involved more admin, administratively, helping out in the church. That's wonderful. Getting involved with local outreach. I see that. I hear all that. We talk about these things as pastors. Grateful for this. But like I said, I want to address this group as my own fathers and mothers, as if I would talk to my own dad if he was alive. Is this how I would talk to my mom, you know, when I'm in my right mind generally, right? In my better moments. I like to talk to you about it in that manner. I think the 55 plus needs to be a strength of Evergreen Baptist Church because if you're thinking like Bob and Penny just cruising off into the sunset and not affecting and transferring the faith onto the next generation, this church might not be around years to come. There needs to be a sense of urgency with the 55 plus group where I need to take what God's giving me, experiences, opportunity to mature, resources, time, wisdom, and download that into the younger generation. That needs to happen. Because as I described uh, what Titus describes as mature men and mature women, does that Describe you right now. Do you think, yes, by God's grace, this is what God's doing to me? And I, I know many are like that. Praise God. But does, does the testimony of Bob and Penny from Reader's Digest describe you more? That's what you're thinking about more. That's what you're planning to do more. That's what excites you the most. Obviously, there needs to be a mindset, mindset shift in, in, if that's what your mind is about. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy your time. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy the heart fruits of your labor. But we're talking about what captures your mind. What, how strategic are you being in your 55 plus years that you have, that you, stage of your life? That's what I'm talking about. It's not time to let up. It's finish time. It's finish time. The, the finish line's there and you, you can't slow down. You gotta speed up actually. You want to finish. I've seen, sadly, many aged ministers crawling to the finish line. 
I've tried to exhort them, but they crawled to the finish line because Christ wasn't so clear in their minds and their hearts. They could not see God seated on his throne. When they think of Israel, they're not thinking Jesus Christ is coming just outside Jerusalem and to the Mount of Olives. That's an actual historical event that's going to happen in the future. Don't know when. That's what a mature mindset is thinking about. I'm going to see my maker someday, and I want to be found faithful. Sprinting past the finish line, not crawling past the finish line. So I'm making a huge appeal to the 55-plus group of it's up to you to transfer the faith to the younger generation, the next generation. This is what, what, the, what, I, what needs to be emphasized here. And how do you do that? You may be like, Pastor, I, I'm not feeling I am more like Bob and Penny. What does Psalm 119 say? Understand the word and meditate on God's word. Oh, how I love your law. If you're not trained in kind of interpreting the Bible, you feel lacking there, re-listen to the sermons. Meditate on the sermons. Revisit the points of the sermons when you get home and throughout the week. How about that? That would be a good thing. Teach the points and re-emphasize and apply these points to your family members and to yourself. That'll help. All that helps. You don't have to reinvent anything. Just go with what's been preached to you. And then start meditating and start thinking about these things. John Piper feels here, he say, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. I'm saying the same thing. Don't waste your life, brothers and sisters. There's, there's going to be that day. Sprint past the finish line. It's a, it's a glorious mindset. It's a glorious mindset. That's a championship mindset. All right? That's kind of, that, you know what I'm saying is right. You know in your inner being, it's like, yes, he's speaking the truth. I want to sprint past the finish line. Whenever that is. I've been blessed with a lot of mentors in coaching. Uh, I've had older coaches who are in their 50s and 60s. I was in my early 20s when I started coaching. And then to my 30s and 40s. And one man said this to me. He was probably in his 60s at the time. A Hall of Fame type caliber man uh, in terms of football. He said, Rocky. And these men were so kind to me. I'm so grateful for these older men that lovingly talked to me about these. Rocky. I wish I did it differently. What do you mean? You had an amazing career. What do you mean? I wish I did it differently with my wife, my kids. I'm trying to make up time with my grandkids right now. I wish I didn't chase after every job and every opportunity. And I, would, I wish I would have considered my wife and my children how they felt. I felt so loved by these men that they would share these things to me. And it's so clear. If you want to look into the future, you want a time machine to look into the future, all you got to do is look into your past. Because history does repeat itself. If you do the same pattern, it, more than likely it's gonna, the same thing is going to happen. And so as I, as I go on to my next point, we need to look to those who have gone before us to gain a healthier perspective, right? And so he, point number two, healthy perspective is not only molded by the word, healthy perspective is mentored, mentored, as in a, like a role model, mentored is coming on into my life. And Titus has been a great series. I've been encouraged by the feedback by many, and, and, and I'm grateful. I, people can see how relatable this is to the, your own lives. It's not just about elders. But however, we've been spending a lot of time talking about elders. I know that. And I know it's been very masculine in nature, and I know that, and that was purposeful. We want to speak to the men, to rise up. We, we want that. However, I think there's a special focus for the sisters today. 
I think this is important that Paul takes the time to address the sisters. I want to make sure we don't miss it. And it's interesting, and I'm grateful for Harvey and Carrie going on to to the Asia to uh, encourage a local uh, pastor, or local church. Praise God. It's amazing. It's amazing. We know that they'll come back with a greater perspective of the church. We know that they'll be to encourage pastors and other people abroad. What a wonderful thing. Get to meet other Christians from other parts of this country. Amazing. So if God moves your heart to do some, something like that, that's great. But I want to also say this. You don't need to go to the Amazon to have an impact for the kingdom. I mean, you really just got to go down the hall in your home or the hall of our church to find an opportunity to care and to mentor somebody. And I'm so encouraged as verse 3 ends with saying, uh, teaching what is good. I'm so encouraged that there are older women in our Friday morning women's small groups that we got set up where older sisters are mentoring younger sisters. Praise God. It's happening. And this is wonderful. I just, I, I, I just delighted to hear that. It's wonderful. It's so encouraging to see it happening. As I read Titus, my mind is drawn to these examples. But what are the older women, older mature sisters to impart to the younger sisters? So if you're a younger sister or about to be married even, you don't necessarily have to be younger, but just understand this is what needs to be imparted. Verse 4 and five says to prioritize the home. Let me read. So that they, the older mature sisters, may instruct the younger women, the sister, younger sisters in sensibility to love their husbands, to love their children. Prioritize this, that you love your husband if you happen to be married. And if you happen to have children, love your children. And we know this. Anyone who's been married long enough, you know this is more than a feeling. Right? It's more than a feeling. It's a commitment. You're committed to be loyal to your husband. You're loyal. You're committed to be loyal to your children. And what does it look like when you prioritize your home? Let's just keep going here to verse 5. To be sensible. That means you are, are ordered. You have prioritized home above anything else. This is your first ministry, sisters. Pure. I believe this in the context is talking about sexual fidelity to your husband. You're faithful to your husbands. Makes sense, right? Younger sisters. Workers at home. That means you prioritize building a home life that is good and helpful and nurturing for your husband and for your children. Now you may be asking, well, does that mean I can't work outside the home? Of course not. Proverbs 31 is an excellent cross-reference where it says an excellent wife, the, the, the excellent uh, wife was involved in business enterprises. She was involved in commerce. You can work outside the home. What this is saying is basically make sure you prioritize your home though. Don't give home second best. Give home first. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. And then keep going on. Young women are to be kind. That just means kind, right? Good. Being subject to their own husbands. Submit it to your own husbands. Now, what does that mean? Sisters, young sisters, you're not submitted to every single man in this church. It's to your own husbands. You're not submitted to me. You're submitted to your own husbands. And is this without limits? Of course not. Do you obey God or man? I mean, just Answer that. Are you loyal to Christ or to man? 
Obviously God. So if, if your husband is asking you to sin, you obey God rather than man. If, God, if your husband's asking you to do something that you don't necessarily agree with, you obey your husband, but it's not apart from sin. But you obey God rather than man. You're ultimately showing obedience and allegiance to Christ by obeying and submitting to your husbands. Does that mean you can't give input? Of course not. You give, you unload in a loving, respectful way everything you've got to help your man make a good decision. 100%. But at the end of the day, there is order as we understand in the Bible, right? As Adam was created first, then Eve, the Bible says. Sisters, younger sisters, I, I know you're bombarded right now. I know you're absolutely bombarded by school, bombarded by media, bombarded by entertainment, bombarded by language of friends and family. I get that. But don't buy, don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. I know it's counter, very countercultural to what I'm preaching right now and to what Paul is saying right now. I know this. I'm not, I don't live in a vacuum. I get it. But don't buy the lie. Their feministic ideologies are infecting the church and our homes. Don't buy the lie where voices such as there's no difference in roles. We know that's not true. The Bible says there is a difference. Where you may hear your greatest significance is outside of their home. No, it's not. Your greatest impact is in the home. Where you may hear don't waste your life at home. You're just wasting your life. You're wasting your talents at home. Maybe you hear things such as be all that you can be. You're made for more than this. So the, and I know there's many sisters here that commit to the home, so I'm, I'm just applauding you. I'm encouraging you. God affirms you through Titus chapter 2, uh, verse 4 and 5 here. God's affirming you. The church is affirming you. Grateful for you. But as you're in that decision-making mode now for younger sisters, don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. Know that your encouragement to your husband to lead well is going to be the, the crown jewel in your crown. I submit to my husband. I respected him. I helped him be all that he could be to lead our family well, to be productive in the church. Building into the future, teaching your little ones to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, as Deuteronomy 6 talks about. That's it right there. Everything else is bonus. That is the most important ministry God may give you. I get it. Some of us may be called to singleness, so I understand that. But chances are, statistically, many of us will have that opportunity. I'm going to ask you this question, younger sisters. In your dying days, what is going to matter the most? In your dying days, what is going to matter the most? Let's hear from Lady Wisdom on this. Proverbs 31, 10, 11 says this, An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above pearls. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Let's jump down to verse 28 of, of Proverbs 31. Her children rise up and bless her. It gets chills down my spine thinking about that. As for her husband, he also praises her saying, many daughters have done excellently, but you have done, have gone above them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears Yahweh, she shall be praised. That's what matters in the end.
That's what's going to matter in the end. Now let's lower the source. We went from heaven. We just heard from heaven. Now let's learn from an earthly example. And I've had many role models, and one of the role models is or preachers who aren't even alive anymore, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote this tribute to his wife, Susanna. Charles Spurgeon was considered the, maybe the greatest preacher of his day, but it's obvious to me why he was so great. Obviously, God's grace was on his life, but God gave him a wife that is the highest of caliber, the highest of caliber. And this is what he writes to her about Susanna. She delights in her husband, in his person, his character, his affection. To her, he's not only the chief and foremost of mankind, but in her eyes, he is all in all. Her heart's love belongs to him and to him only. He is her little world, her paradise, her choice treasure. I mean, how can you not be fired up, men, right, if your wife feels this way about you, right? She is glad to sink her individuality in him. She seeks no renown for herself. His honor is, his, is, is reflected upon her. His honor is reflected upon her, and she rejoices in it. She will defend his name with her dying breath, loyalty. Safe enough is he where she can speak for him. His smiling gratitude is all the reward she seeks. Even in her dress, she thinks of him and considers nothing beautiful which is distasteful to him. Even how she dresses. Such a wife as a true spouse realizes the model marriage relation and sets forth what our oneness with the Lord ought to be. See, this wife, Spurgeon understood that how united, how submitted, how loving, how respectful. Obviously, Spurgeon loved Aunt Susanna. His, his, Susanna understood that that oneness represents how Christ is united to the church. It's an emblem. It's, it, it's, a, it's a witness to the whole world. How can a man ever fail with this? How can a man ever fail with this? I mean, obviously the Lord equipped Spurgeon. I want to give you a little testimony about myself, and it's not a, a glorious one. I just want to confess this to you, church. My first year, year and a half of ministry, uh, moving down from Washington to here, it was challenging. There's a lot of things happening. Um, just we're trying to get our family relocated. We're trying to get life uh, set up for our children, school, sports, that sort of stuff. Friends, taking care of the church, trying to learn new people, addressing difficult things behind the scenes of our church. There was a lot going on. But I, I, I want to confess this to you, church, where I was extra hard on my wife, Charlotte. I'm home more now. In coaching, I was gone 90 hours a week a lot, and I, was, I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't around as much. So now that I'm around more, I'm seeing things more, and I have more critiques and criticisms. And I, I think I was overly hard on her. I was harsh with her. I was seeing certain faults. And in some ways, this is wrong of me. And I was perhaps even comparing how I grew up with my mother to her. I don't know if you do that, brothers, but that was wrong. And through that time, I met with pastors. I met with other people, other men and women that I, we trust, trusted. And, and it hit me. And it hit me. Is she loyal to the Lord? Yes, she lets me preach. Are you kidding me? 
She let, she's the one that said, okay, let's do this and leave coaching and do preaching. Is she loyal to me? Yes, I never worry about her. I never worry about her. It's the last thing I worry about almost. Is she loyal to the children? She loves the children. And while my friend reminded me, he, he said, in a different scenario, he said, if that's your problem, you don't have a problem. Are the main pieces there? Absolutely. Will we grow in the other areas? Absolutely. But are these main things there? Then relax, buddy. I'm so sorry I was unnecessary, needlessly harsh. So brothers, are the main things in place for your wives? Are they loyal to Christ? Are they loyal to you? Are they loyal to your children if you have any? Well, then keep the main things the main thing and, and, and be thankful for this. You're a rich man in a lot of ways. I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world in many ways. And so, this is a good word to encourage your wives to be submitted. How to encourage them to submit to your leadership. And then verse 5 goes on to say, so that the word of God will not be slandered, sisters. Meaning, there's, there's a, if you're a contradiction to what the Bible says, your opponents, the, the non-believers would say that God's word doesn't mean that much to you, evidently. Because I don't see a life that's submitted. Let's get to our third and final point. This will be quicker. Don't waste your life, Piper will tell us. Healthy perspective is not only molded, mentored, but it's also modeled, modeled, like a role modeled. I asked my friend Rafa, who's a soccer coach, and I, all my life I dealt with young men. Now we're focusing on young men here. And I don't know what it's like to coach young ladies, and he coaches both young women and young men. I said, Rafa, we have a Thursday morning Bible study, and I also called him last night. I said, tell me more. Like, which group is easier to coach? He said, the girls. The girls. They're more compliant. Girls will listen easier. They want to submit. The girls. He said, with the boys or the young men, you got to capture their attention. You got to capture their attention. And young men are different. I understand this. So it's interesting where Titus has the older women and teach sound things or teach good things and teach them how to be, uh, uh, to prioritize their homes. Well, now Paul says, let's turn to verse six here. Likewise, urge or exhort or encourage the younger men to be sensible. Teach them to be sensible, to be ordered, to be self-mastered. But this word urge means to come alongside. It's like the, the word for paraclete, like the spirit is our helper to come alongside these young men. Don't just talk to them. Model this for them. And look what it says in verse 7. In all things, show yourself to be a model of good works. Don't just teach them. Live it out, Paul's telling Titus. Why is this? Of course, this is a big generality, but in general, I think young men need to earn, have the respect of those who are their role models. That's, I think that's what it is. I was a young man. I've dealt with young men all my life, and young men need to have their respect of their elders or to those who are teaching them. You need to be able to capture and command their respect. 
And he gives them instructions. Be a good role model. Verse 7, what does it look like to be a good role model for the younger men? With purity and doctrine. Purity and doctrine. That means you have healthy beliefs. You have sound. It goes back to sound doctrine. There it is, right? Older brothers and sisters. It's all the same for all of us. Purity and doctrine. We believe the right things. And look what it says. Dignified. Healthy living. That you, you live a respectable life that commands respect from people. They look at your life and they respect you. It just That's how it is. You want the secret to leadership? You live it. That's what it works out to be. And then what else? Verse 8, sound and word which is irreproachable. You have healthy words. So this is key here, brothers. You see this? What you believe leads to your actions and your speech. Purity of doctrine. You need to have healthy, sound beliefs so that your healthy actions and healthy speech come out. And the people could see that you have healthy doctrine inside of you. So you see, young men need to know this. Young men need to see what's in here. They need to have a, to know that the person speaking to them is genuine. Genuine. Like, I could see that you actually believe this by how you live and by how you speak. The inner man needs to come out. In some ways, seeing is believing for younger men. That's how it works. That's my experience, certainly. You have to earn the respect of the younger men to be able to speak into their lives by modeling it. And I know I'm a little bit hard on young men, and I, I'm, I was like this. I was like this, and but I want to give a word of encouragement. Young young men can be stubborn. When you don't let them do what they want, they could get upset. They could get bothered for a long time and hold grudges and stuff like. That. Young men can be unyielding. I understand these things. But, but if properly discipled, hear me now, if properly discipled, could be powerful weapons in God's army. You like strong-willed people. I like strong-willed people. Because if discipled properly, their stubbornness turns into conviction. You don't want a wimpy guy. You don't want soft men leading the church in the homes. You need men who have conviction. That are willing to die for these convictions. Men are willing to die for you, women. That's what we're talking about here. You, that unyielding nature turns into a yieldedness to Christ. This is the type of guy that you're looking for, sisters. Men of resolve, men of perseverance. This is what you need to have in the men of the church. You see, church, the reason why Paul says to Titus, urge the younger men because it takes strong men to raise up strong men. That's what's required. That's why I'm appealing to from eternal word to the older generation to the younger generation. It takes strong men to raise up strong men. Weak men are not going to be able to raise up strong men. It's not going to happen. That's why you have a culture that's weak. That's why you have people who are afraid to speak up the truth. That's why you allow sin to happen in your homes and in the church. Because weak men are in leadership. And look what happens. Let's finish up with verse 8 here. So that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. The reputation of God's people is at stake by how men act. 
This is so critical that we understand this. The world can, does not respect hypocrisy. The world does not respect hypocrisy. To finish up here, I think it's pretty fairly clear how this looks. Eternity opens up its vault from heaven, gives us God's eternal word. Men and women are to ingest this eternal word and to meditate in this eternal word and to be transformed into mature men and women. Mature men and women are to disciple younger men and women, less mature people of the church. And what happens after that? Younger men and women become old women, women and still linked to the eternal world. And we just keep repeating this. We just keep repeating this. We keep repeating this until Jesus' feet touch down on the Mount of Olives. That's how this works. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Eternal word, mature men and women, younger men and women, repeat. And just keep doing that until the Lord tarries. And, and people have asked me, what is it like to in church life? There's a lot of complexities, but if you just... Look at it simply. It's pretty simple. That's any one of us, even children, can understand what I just said right there. That's the pattern of having healthy generations, and that's why that's one of the reasons why you need healthy elders setting the heartbeat so that men and women could become mature and then on down. Right? That's how it works. So if Piper was here, if I could get him here, someday I would love that. If I could get him here, pray for that. But if you could get him here, he would say, don't waste your life, Evergreen Baptist Church. Don't waste your life, Evergreen Baptist. Run the race, run hard, and sprint through the finish line. That's what he would say. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this eternal truth. Thank you how you age us and mature us through your eternal word. doesn't matter how young or old we are, but your word makes us into mature men and women. Thank you for the wisdom out of Ecclesiastes that says, in the end, we fear God and obey his commandments. And we know that you will bring all things into judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil, will be known and shown. And as we sung earlier, thank you, even with all that, you love us. (laughs) You love us. So Lord, give us a healthy perspective of eternity and what's at stake. Help us to be loyal to you rather than to man. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.